It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. It is the last time during the regular season that I will come into the mailroom to answer your questions. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't answer your questions anymore. It simply means that next week at this time, it will officially be the off season when I come in here to answer your questions. Okay, so don't get alarmed. Don't be, uh, you know, concerned that I'm going to stop doing uh, this for you. I'm not, I'm not, maybe it won't be as frequent. Maybe, um, I don't know what it's going to be, but I can tell you right now that this is just the last regular season edition. Next week is officially the off season because the blue jackets will be done on Saturday. They're back at home. They will spend the rest of the season here at nationwide arena. Blue jackets finished off the road portion of their schedule when they went to Carolina on Saturday, they lost the game in overtime. Two to one was the final score. Wasn't a bad game, quite honestly. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is what I see in what happened on Saturday and maybe even go back to the game before that against Detroit that they won in the shootout one to nothing. I saw, especially in the Carolina game, I saw some flashes of that Blue Jackets defense that has really defined what this team is. Team defense in front of Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, I thought it was much better. I thought they collapsed in front of him. I thought they cleared rebounds for him. Uh, whatever he couldn't clear himself, they cleared for him, which was great. Uh, making sure that he only has to face uh, one shot at a time, blocking shots, um, you know, getting out of the way at times so he can see that is huge. You don't want to screen your own goalie. So I, I thought overall there were a lot of good things in that game. Now, I've said it before, and John Tortorella says it all the time. Who's looking for moral victories at this point? Nobody especially when you're not going to the playoffs. But that being said, uh, you still want to finish strong. Jody Shelley talked to, to me about this on the inside edge last week. If you missed it, go back and catch up. He's talking about finishing strong. Everybody wants to finish the season strong because you want to be playing your best when you go into the offseason because it's going to be months before you have an opportunity to turn it around and try to make up for whatever was a shortfall this year. So you want to finish on the best terms that you possibly can. So that's where the Blue Jackets are right now. They come home, they've got two games. Uh, tonight and Wednesday, they'll take on the Nashville Predators, and then Detroit is here for the final two games on Friday and Saturday. And then that's it. That's all she wrote for 2021. So it's been a weird year. It's been a tough year. It's been a long year. It's been a short year, but it's been a long year, right? So that's where we stand. But anyway, before I get to your questions, I want to tell you about my good friends over at Telhio Credit Union. Back in 1934 is when they decided that it was going to be the customer first. No questions asked. Hands down, that's how we're going to play it. And they have played it that way ever since that point in time. So when you go to Telhio Credit Union, you take your money there, you know that you're going to be taken care of. But you might not know why you should join a credit union. What are the advantages? Uh, what are the services that are provided? Why should I make a change in my financial life? Well, the answers to those questions are online at their website at telhio.org. Just go on there, surf around, click on the different tabs, 
and you'll find the answers to your questions. If there's something you can't find and you're doing that during normal business hours, there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Click on that and somebody will pop up on your screen and help you to navigate through. It's just that simple. And then the only question that will be left for you is, why should I stay with a regular bank when I can go with a credit union that will put me above everything else? Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find them on the web at tellohio.org. All right, let's get to it. Um, these questions today, I, I've tried to think about the order that I want to go in. And I think I'm actually going to, uh, well, I was going to say, I think I'm going to dip my toe in the water here, but there's a reason for that. There's two reasons for it. Number one, I think I, um, you know, sometimes when I do interviews and I will throw somebody a bit of a softball question just to get them warmed up, I think I want to warm myself up a little bit here. But the second thing is, you know, the rule is ladies first. And so going to Twitter, got this tweet from Jody. And uh, here is the question. Oh, I should preface this by saying that if you missed the game on Saturday, if you didn't see it visually, the Blue Jackets uh, did not wear the red pants that they normally wear with their uniforms. They wore the blue pants that go with the reverse retro jersey. So it's a blue pants, uh, the sets of blue pants with a, a red trim. Um, on the pants. So predominantly blue, little bit of red. They wore that with the white Jersey and the white helmets. So that was, that, that was a big thing, you know, uh, fashion. There are a lot of fashion experts out there and uh, Jody is one of them. So here's the question with those blue pants being worn with the away Jersey. Do you think that the team will switch it to be more permanent starting in the 2022, 2023 season? The answer is, I don't know. Uh, I, I do know this. The, the reason that this all came about is because the players like those pants. They like the look of those pants and they had made their voices heard about that. Okay. So, so they, they wanted to wear those pants. Now, listen, this is not, you know, peewee hockey. It's not like you're going out to the chiller and you just say, Hey, today let's wear this. And tomorrow, let's wear this. That's not how it works here, okay? Everything's branded, everything. The uniform is a uniform. So if you're going to do something, you've got to have permission to do it. And if you're going to make a permanent change, then that's a process you have to go through as well. So, um, but the players liked it. They liked those pants and they wanted to wear them. So they had been requesting uh, to be able to do that. So th that prompted the club personnel to go ahead and make a formal request to have that uniform modification for the game on Saturday. But Jody, to your point, and this is why you say 2022, 2023, because you've listened or read or something, um, that's the only time that you could make that change because the time to make a change for next year has already passed. So if, as an organization, if you want to make that request to wear those different uh, colored pants and have it be a permanent thing, uh, you could do that. You could potentially do that, but you could not get that permission to do it from the league on a full-time basis until the 2022-2023 season. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll wait and see. You know, part of the thing for doing it was the players wanted to do it. Part of it was to take a look at it. Part of it was to get your reaction. Um, and now that it's like anything that you do in life, right? You're going to make a decision. If you're going to make a big decision, if you're going to make a life-altering decision, which this is not, but you understand what I mean, kind of a big deal, uh, you want all the information that you can get. You want to pull everything in, and you want to make that decision based off all the information. So 
I think they got a lot of information. From what I saw on social media, I thought it was uh, it was pretty much a hit. Not entirely, not 100%. You're never going to hit 100%. So uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a positive. Uh, that being said, I don't care what color they wear. I mean, I, I thought it it looked different. It looked nice. I will say this, and I don't know if I have anything about this uh, here. I, you know, I better check and make sure before uh, before I say something here because I, I don't want to repeat somebody else's question. Um, anyway. I don't think that I do have it. I thought I saw something here, but uh, but maybe maybe I don't. Anyway, if I screwed up and somebody has something about it later, I'll just I'll repeat what I said. Um, playing against the Hurricanes in particular for me, playing against a team that was in all red, it was kind of nice to be so contrasting and not having your red on. And um, I, I thought it stood out more because of that, quite honestly. So if you're playing the Red Wings, uh, I think it stands out. Uh, the Hurricanes, obviously, as I just said, um, you know, the Capitals, maybe, although the Capitals, you know, you know, people get into this, oh, you look like the Capitals. Oh, you look like the Rangers. Oh, you look like, you know what? You look like the Blue Jackets. That's what you look like. Like, And, and why have I even spent so much time talking about this? It's because you asked, Jody. But the fact is, at the end of the day, you can lose in whatever color you want to put on and nobody wants to do that. So you can, I don't care what you wear as long as you win. That's what I'm saying. Okay. But it wouldn't be a change for next year, even if it's going to be a change somewhere down the line that I can absolutely without a doubt tell you. All right, let's stay on. Uh, let's stay on Twitter. Why not stay on Twitter here and get this question from Brian. Brian says, who would be on your short list of potential coaches for next year? John Tortorella. That's my list. All right, let's go next. You asked me for my list. He's the coach. Nobody said he's leaving. Plenty of speculation. I've even led to some of that speculation, I know. But he's still here. And you asked me about my list. There's my list. That's as short as I can get. One name. Short. Now, if we're talking next week, and the situation is changed, or if we're talking weeks on end and the situation has changed, then I'll give you a longer list. But right now, you asked for my short list, and that's as short as I can give you right there. All right, where am I going from here? Uh, I got to see what else I have here. Uh, let's see. Jason Messick. Jason says, what is your favorite brand of bourbon? I'll be drinking a few during the off season, meaning him, not me. Jason, I'm a, I don't, I'm not a fancy guy. I'm a, I'm a regular Joe. I'm a, I'm a beer guy. You know, that's how you, that's how you get this. You don't build this with bourbon, right? Uh, so I, I don't even have an answer for you there, quite honestly. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, but whatever you like, you go ahead and do whatever, whatever gets you through the off season, you can, Feel free. You don't need my recommendation. I'm sure you got your own. Okay. I've been holding this back anyway. Listen, before, before I read this next one. So uh, before I sat down to do this and to answer your questions, I was, um, I, I was watching the A&E biography of Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I've got to tell you, Roddy Piper was my favorite wrestler. When I was growing up, 
he was to me, look, Hulk Hogan was the, the, the face, as they say in the business. Uh, he was the good guy. He was the hero. He was uh, the one that everybody wanted to be, not me. I shouldn't say everybody because I think a lot of people felt like me. I loved Rowdy, Roddy Piper. I had the Hot Rod t-shirt. I, uh, I, could, I, I loved how he talked on the microphone. Uh, you know, my brother and I would watch uh, wrestling on Saturdays. And it was on, I think it was on noon to one when we were growing up. And even if you strayed away from the TV, from the matches that were going on, at 12.30, I had to be in front of that TV because at 12.30 is when Rowdy Roddy Piper did Piper's Pit, the talk segment, which was the best because he talked smack and he beat people up or he got beat up. It didn't matter. You know, later on, he got hurt and Adrian Adonis came in and opened the, his flower shop and tried to take over to Piper's Pit and Piper came back and he had one crutch and he smashed the entire flower shop and it set up a WrestleMania match in the whole nine yards. So he was my favorite of all time, all time. And, and I watched uh, the documentary, which I thought was really good. And of course, Roddy Piper passed away a couple of years ago. So a lot of it was his words from the past and uh, his family's viewpoints and other wrestlers. And I thought it was great. I thought it was terrific. And I know there are a couple of other ones uh, out there right now. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's out there. I'm going to watch that. Macho Man Randy Savage, I believe, just came out. So um, anyway, I, I'm, I guess I'm getting off track. But I, I do remember, <laughs> I remember being in high school and um, in, in impersonating Roddy Piper in the way that he would answer things and, and just getting kind of into that character and getting so fired up. And so I get to this tweet. This is where it's all coming together. If you're wondering where I'm going here, this is where it's all coming together. Then I, I get to this tweet and I get to this question and I just, and it, and it brings, brings that up, brings it up. I'll read the question. Okay. And then we'll go from there. This is from Nick Vogel on Twitter at Bobby Max Sports. He sent it to me. It says, Hey Bob, you seem to be much higher on Texier than Bemstrom. And I'm wondering why. Career production is basically equal, but Bemstrom has better Corsi and possession numbers and plays with worse line mates on average. Bemstrom had good chemistry with Roslovic last game and looked more like the player that he was last year. I was wondering if he was hurt early in the season and they have finally let him get to 100% health. The last long-term IR stint was much longer than expected. And Nick says, I still believe that he can score 20. So that was, uh, that was Nick's question. And that, you know, part of that man brought out the, uh, the inner Roddy Piper, you know, <laughs> like, so you're, you're telling me that you're looking at numbers, man. You're looking at numbers and that's making the decision for you. Just looking at the numbers, but not the eye test. Do you see the eye test? When's the last time you were at the eye doctor, man? Sorry. Just had to get that out. <laughs> All right, Nick. Let's let's get to the uh, let's get to the real to the real answer here, and and part of that is the real real answer, to be honest with you. Um, look, Alexander Texier, I'll tell you this, um, I'll, and I'll start with him. And I'm going to break both of these guys down for you, in my opinion. Okay, so Alexander Texier, very skilled guy, can play the center ice position. Does he got to get better at it? Does he? Yeah, that was great English. Does he have to get better at it? Yes, he does. 
Has he gotten better at it? I think he has. I, I think, um, you know, these last couple of games, who's he playing with on Saturday? Liam Foody and Cam Atkinson. That doesn't look too bad. All right? Now, it doesn't take much to look good with this team right now. I get it. I understand. But that hasn't looked too bad. Alexander Texier, John Tortorella has said, I think he's going to be a centerman. He put him there immediately. Look, he's had great success in this league. And I had a conversation with Jean-Luc Grandpierre just a couple of days ago about this. I'm, I'm going to get way off track here, but you've got to stay with me. If you want the true answer to all of this stuff, you got to stay with me because I'm going to go all over the place here. Okay. Uh, John Luke and I were talking about the Florida Panthers in particular. We're talking about teams like the Florida Panthers who are bringing up these young players or bringing up players that didn't have um, a lot of opportunity with another team. And now they're getting opportunity and they are making the most of it. Carter Verhage is one of the guys that we were talking about. He was in Tampa. He was fourth line guy, Florida gets him. They put him on the top line. He is flourishing. He's been hurt, but he's flourishing all year long. Okay. But here's the thing. You can do that with certain players and put them on good teams and they are going to flourish. No doubt. You might take that same player. Like if you put Carter Verhage on the Blue Jackets, would he be having the same production? I don't think he would. I don't think that he would because, because the team is not at the same level. So why do I bring that up? Alexander Texier, when he comes in here a couple of years ago, finishes up in Europe, he comes over and he plays in Cleveland. Doesn't play that many games, but he's having some success down there. They bring him up here. They put him in the lineup. He scores his first NHL goal. Heck, he scored his first Stanley Cup playoff goal, for crying out loud. How'd that happen? Well, he's playing on a really good team. A really good team. How would you compare that team to this year's team? And he was playing wing on that team, not center on this team. So how would you compare that? That's night and day. That's not apples and oranges. That's like, I don't even know what that kind of comparison is. It's just not the same. Okay. So players can come over and thrive in those circumstances when they're playing with a really good team. And I think Alexander Texier did that. Now he's being relied upon in a bigger role on a team that's not as good. In a, and when I say in a bigger role, different position. Remember in training camp, he was going to play left wing with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cam Atkinson. Remember that? Remember those days? Those days of yesteryear in January? Remember that? I think he would have been terrific if that would have stayed intact, but it didn't. It didn't stay intact, but for a couple of weeks. And then it was gone. And then he was in the middle. Actually, he was in the middle before that because of the foresight of where he's going to have to play within this organization. So, as for Alexander Texier, I think his upside is big because plays in the middle of the ice. I think he's gotten better at it. Um, I think he's skilled. I've told you a million times he walks that line between confidence and cockiness. I like that about him. I think that gives him an opportunity to be a very good player. Okay? Don't care about the Corsi. Don't care about the possession. I'm just telling you what I think from watching. That's what I think. Flip it over to Emil Bemstrom. He had 10 goals last year. I, I'm, I'm still shocked at that. I looked at the number and I went, really? He did? Wow. I, I forgot that he had 10 goals. Here's what I want to tell you about Emil Bemstrom, though. I think this guy got put into an almost cannot win scenario from the first day that he stepped onto North American soil. 
That's what I think. And I'm going to tell you why I think that. So you get these players like Emil Bemstrom. They've had success in Europe. They want to take a shot in the National Hockey League. Rightfully so. It's the best league in the world. Why wouldn't you? So you have an agent and your agent is doing the deal and, and you're coming over and uh, the agent says, hey, look, my guy wants to come over. He's ready to play. You see his numbers here in Europe. He's ready to go. We don't want him going to the American Hockey League. We don't want him sent down. Now, here's the thing. And I went on this, uh, I went on this thing last week about playing in the American Hockey League. I, I got into a battle with a, a real genius on Twitter about the importance of going to the American Hockey League and how guys aren't doing it anymore. And, um, you know, it's, I, I hate it. In this Emil Bemstrom situation is exactly why I hate it. Let me explain it to you. He comes over here. You can't send him down. And, and you bring him over here a year after our Timmy Panarin leaves, and he's got a great shot. And his one-timer is supposed to be what, what he has. And we see him early on in the preseason. He's parked in the circle. He takes a one-timer on the power play, goes right in the net right away. Oh, man, this guy, he's ready to go here. He wasn't ready to go. He's still not ready to go. Okay. He got to me, he got a ton of pressure put on him immediately because all of you and me, but more so all of you are looking for the quick fix band-aid to uh, make yourselves feel better that Artemi Panarin is gone. You know, some people might even believe, well, this is the guy. No, Artemi Panarin is one of the premier hockey players in the world. Nobody's stepping in and filling his skates in like 10 minutes. You're going to be lucky if you can do it in 10 years the way that guy plays, okay? So Bemstrom got that pressure put on him coming in, the high, high expectations. And now he's not getting adjusted. And he's playing for a demanding coach. And I know that there are plenty of you out there that are saying, that's right, if you get another coach, it's not that Tortorella guy. He's going to let this kid go, and he's, this kid's going to thrive, and he's going to be unbelievable, this kid. And if he can just get that coach off that bench, it's going to happen. I don't agree with that, but I know some of you are going to say it. But anyway, so here we go. Um, so here he comes. He comes over. He's got a lot of expectations. He's not having early success, and he can't go to the American Hockey League. Can't can't buy contract you can't you got to go back to europe you can't go to the american hockey league do you not think that it would have benefited that guy to go down there and play some games on the top line out of the nhl spotlight still in a big city still feeling pretty good about yourself hey you know you're you're, you're biding your time but if i do this i'm going to get back to the nhl and i'm going to be more ready this time because they all think they're ready how do you know you're ready how do you know till you get here you have no idea Elvis thought he was ready. He wasn't ready. He's, he's still getting acclimated, doing much better with it, but still getting acclimated at it. So anyway, so you can't send him to the American Hockey League. You can't get better. And now it just compounds, 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 right? And the difference to me between him and Alexander Texier, there are two differences. Number one, Texier wins battles. Texier physically wins battles. Bemstrom needs to get stronger, needs to learn to win battles. If he's not watching Oliver Bjorkstrand with the way that he skates on the boards, the same way Oliver Bjorkstrand watched Artemi Panarin, if he's not trying to transform himself like that, then that's on him. That's bad because that's what he should be doing. He should be trying to become that player when it comes to battles because he doesn't win battles very often. Fact. Go back and look at it. Go look at the, go look at the video and you tell me 
that he wins a lot of battles. He doesn't. He, he loses the – I don't care what those possession numbers say. I don't, I don't even understand how they could even say that how his could be – how good they could be. And I'm not looking them up because I don't care. I watch it. I watch him get bumped off pucks. I watch him lose pucks. Okay? So there's that. And then I forgot what the heck the other thing was because I'm on such a rant here. But, uh, oh, and, and now he can't, he can't even score. Saturday night, wide open net, there was a kick save by defenseman. And I'm not saying that's his fault. It was a great play by Jacob Slavin. But here's the thing. Every one of those pucks that he shoots, it doesn't go in. You cannot tell me that does not work on his psyche. You cannot tell me that doesn't build more frustration for him. You can't tell me that. Look, he's a good guy. They're all good guys. He's a good guy. You know, I think he's innocent. I think he's, uh, you know, he, he just has an innocence about him where he's a good person. I think he's trying, but I think that pressure is mounting on him. So to go back to my whole thing, when you're signing guys from Europe, there are, you know, they don't want to come over here and they don't want to go to the American Hockey League. And if you get a reputation as an organization that, hey, we're going to sign you and we're going to send you to the American Hockey League, and some guys are right away going to say no. Some players that might be good players are going to say no because they don't want to run the risk of going to the American Hockey League. So I ask you this. I ask you this. Where do you want to be long term? Because you can sign a two-year contract that precludes you from going to the American Hockey League, even for just a portion of that contract, whatever. It doesn't matter. You, you can sign a contract that says, I will not go to the American Hockey League which you see in my book says, I will not go and try to make myself better if you feel I'm not quite ready. But anyway, that's what I think. But if, if you cannot go there, as an agent, this is what I don't understand. What good are you doing for your client? Because you run the risk of a guy coming over, playing in the NHL for two years, and then they haven't had success. And now the team either doesn't want to sign them or, or doesn't want to give them a lot of money. And they'll make more money going back to Europe and playing and they'll disappear and you'll never hear from them again. So that's the part that really puzzles me. It really does. Like where the advice that you're getting, is that great advice? Yeah. You want the money. Everybody wants to take the money. Everybody wants to be in the NHL, the best league in the world. If I had my druthers, I would have gone right to the top. I wouldn't have worked my way. I would have went right to the top if somebody would have given me a chance, of course. And I probably would have stunk and not been ready and been out of a job. But that's it. That's the part that drives me nuts. In case you can't tell, it drives me nuts. Like, you, you got to be, I, you, to me, you can't be inflexible. You got to be. And what are you afraid of? Going to the American Hockey League and maybe you won't perform well enough to ever get out of there? Well, that's on you once you get to that point. You make that decision. You decide. It's how you play. Or do you want to take two years of NHL money and then go back and never be heard from again? I wouldn't want that. And I feel bad for that kid because of that. I really do. That's my whole point on this thing. Let's just break it down to what it is. Texier's come over. He had early success. Um, you know, to, I give him a bit of a pass because he's moving to the middle of the ice. There's a lot of responsibility there. He's, he's trying to do a lot of things. And, you know, Bemstrom got a lot piled on his plate. And has not made the adjustment the way that he needs to make it. That's so that well, so when you ask me, Nick, well, why are you high higher on one guy than the other? That's why. That's simply why. 
I hope that answered your question. I think it was pretty thorough. I, that's my opinion. I was really thorough on that and I went through it all. So uh, we'll see what, we'll see, we'll see what you think. Uh, let me see. Let's go to Instagram. Also, uh, you can find me there at Bobby Mac Sports. Uh, Dimitri Harrison says the Blue Jackets have been one of the youngest teams in the NHL for years now, but uh, now they're being, uh, but now they're in for a rebuild without too many young difference makers to show for it. Was the team built too young? And as we retool, do we need to have more veterans in the lineup to push and teach the youngsters? I look at teams like the Sabres and the Senators who are full of young talent, but they haven't been contenders for years. Also, Dimitri says, any desire to do the TV broadcast for the Blue Jackets in the future? I know it's a different style and job type, but I think you'd be great at it. Dimitri, I appreciate that. I'll address the latter thing first. I've said it a long time. Uh, would I have interest in that? Yeah, when Jeff Rimmer is not doing that anymore, when he decides that, uh, uh, or if he decides, not when he decides, if he decides that he doesn't want to do that, then of course, I would, uh, I would be open to that. And I would love to work with Jody Shelley as I do so often anyway. But to get back to the to the heart of this thing, uh, yeah, this team has been the youngest team in the league for you know years, and, and I've said it before. You need you need some older players if you want to win. But you know the teams you talk about, the Sabers and the Senators. The reason they have so many younger players is because they've stunk so bad, and they're drafting. They're trying to draft and develop in the in the National Hockey League, and that's not a place that you want to get to. So, uh, what what are the young prospects that the Blue Jackets have? Um, Igor Chinnikov, or again, as I say this all the time, or Chinnikov, until I ask him how to say it, I'm not hundred percent sure, but he signed, he has signed an entry level contract. So that's another young guy. It's an exciting thing. It's first round pick. We'll see, you know, what happens, what is, um, I think his upside is a lot. Um, just won a championship at the KHL, not too shabby for a rookie there. So, uh, we'll see, but yeah, you do have to have some veteran guys around, but you need to have the right veteran guys around. And I think the Blue Jackets do have that. They have they have Cam Atkinson, they have Seth Jones, they have Zach Wierenski, they have Boone Jenner. Um, you know, right there, just that list is a pretty doggone good list. So well, we'll see. That we'll see how it all shakes out. It's do they need veterans? They have some. Uh, would you take other ones if they're the right guys? You got to make sure they're the right guys. Got to make sure they're not guys that are at the end of their career that are just playing out the string for as many paychecks as they can get. And you got to make sure that they're the right guys that they want to instruct and teach and show them how to be a good pro in the whole nine yards. So there's, there's a, there is a method to the madness. Believe me. Um, Badgie Kimron has another one on Instagram. This is a long one, but uh, it's the last show of the regular season. So what the heck, let me get to it. Um, as a full season ticket holder, I've noticed something, but never asked about it. Why do goalies sometimes bang their sticks on the ice? I'm going to answer that question right now. And here it is. When the goalie is banging his stick on the ice, um, is usually when your team is on the power play, when it gets down to the final five seconds, the goaltender will bang the stick on the ice to alert his teammates that this is almost over. So, you know, it's there at the other end and maybe passing the puck around and, I don't know if you've ever really noticed, but there is not a clock that the players have in their line of vision while they are in the zone. Uh, the clock is on the scoreboard behind them. Some will tell me, as the commissioner of the league did once upon a time, when I asked why there isn't a clock in the boards, um, 
some will say that up on the ribbon lighting, you can find a clock, which is uh, between the lower and the upper bowl, to which I say, well, why am I going to take my head off the puck and look way up there and, and try to figure out what the time is? Why don't you have one for me? Well, can you not put a clock where the goal light is? Can you not put a clock in the boards uh, and, and have a, a jeweler advertise on that section of dasher boards that has the, the time in it or something like that? You know, it seems to be no brainers to me so that the guys, when they're passing the puck around, they can say, Hey, we're down to 10 seconds, five seconds, two seconds. We've got to shoot this puck. So that's why the goaltenders bang their stick on the ice. They're um, telling their teammates that the power play is almost up. They'll start banging their stick with five seconds left. So if you have the puck in the opposing zone and you have a shot, take it because you're almost out of time. So that answers that part of the question. Go on. Uh, says uh, a couple of comments. Some fans were really down on John Tortorella this year, but I thought he did a marvelous coaching job. When you don't have a true centerman or anyone who can carry or distribute the puck and yet somehow have your team in a playoff spot after 32 games in spite of all their deficiencies, that is truly amazing. People thought Tortorella was trying to make certain players something that they weren't, but the style of play being dictated was the style that would give this team its best chance to succeed. Finally, how ironic would it be if the Blue Jackets handed Nashville a pair of losses this week and kept them out of the playoffs? After Nashville decided not to sell at the deadline, they did the Blue Jackets a favor because that enhanced the value of the players the Blue Jackets traded as it made Savard and Felino the best options available instead of Ekholm and Forsberg. A pair of wins by the Blue Jackets could make them both lottery teams, but the Blue Jackets would walk away with all the draft picks. Talk about losing the battles, but winning the war. Thanks for reading my comments and have a great off season. Opening night is 162 days away. Not that I'm counting down or anything. <laughs> Thank you for that. Those, those are great observations. That's why I wanted to read the whole thing. Uh, great observations on that. And yeah, that would be just fine with me if they knocked uh, Nashville down a peg or two. It's tight race for that fourth spot. Tight race at the top to see who's going to play who's in the top spot. Uh, as a matter of fact, so a lot of stuff going on in the central division. I wish the Blue Jackets were really involved in it, uh, but they are only involved as a potential spoiler, which stinks. Let's uh, expand upon that and John Tortorella and the job that uh, he did and the um, obstacles that he had. One of those obstacles, I'm going to ask him about, about it this week when I talk to him. I'll have two more pregame conversations with him before the season's over. And I'm going to ask him about this, not having a training camp. And it's not, it's not the, the part is the mental preparation. The two mile run that everybody dreads before they get here, the uh, hard skating that they're going to go through. That's going to have their legs feeling like they're ready to fall off. But yet later in the season has you ready to outskate your opponents. Um, those were tough to go through a season and not have a couple of things like that, especially when you have new players coming in. And Max Domi jumps out at me. I, I think Max Domi would have benefited from a John Tortorella training camp more than anybody else that hadn't gone through one before, in my opinion. I, I just think it really would have helped him get uh, acclimated as to what the heck was really going on here and, uh, and how things work, quite honestly. Look, Max has been a better player as of late. He's back in the middle. Uh, he scored a goal in Carolina. Can you believe that's the only goal he scored on the road this year? I, I was shocked by that, that he has only scored one goal on the road. But 
but he got one. That's that's a good thing, right? Absolutely, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, he's just a guy that jumps out at me when I think about the the regular John Tortorella preparedness for the season and uh, that they didn't have it this year. All right, I got a couple of voice questions. So let's go to the first one of those right now. Hey, Bob, David, New York City. Uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what you've been saying about how this season has been so drastically different from other seasons and teammates can't meet together and everything's out of whack and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't, I gotta be honest, I don't know if I gave it too much credence, but, you know, I'm a musician here in New York City, I primarily do Broadway, and things have been slowly starting to crawl back here, gig-wise. The reason I bring that up is because I've been noticing as... I'm coming back to work and I haven't played much in a, you know, in a year or so without any other people. You know, my my mental endurance is shot. Things that I would be able to pick up on and respond to musically are, you know, I, I feel out of whack, honestly, in ways that uh, are new to me. And it made me think about this team and how difficult it must be to have to perform under those kind of conditions and to not really be able to see anybody outside of the team or even other team members sometimes. You know, it. I, I don't think I was giving it the weight that it deserved because now that I'm seeing it in my life, I'm starting to understand how pertinent that point is. And I also want to say that, you know, I've been a fan since the very first game in 2000. And I gotta say, <laughs> this is an unfortunate reminder to some of our newer fans this season of how it used to be. So I guess I'm using this to say, let's all give each other a little slack and let's all stay the course, man. It Next season is gonna be great. I have a feeling that once we get guys on board with our system, it's gonna be amazing. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you've been doing. It's meant the world to me when I haven't been working during COVID. And go Jackets. David, thank you very much for that. I, I, I really appreciate that. It's good to know when you have uh, an effect on somebody from afar and, and just, the, just the little things. Look, we're, we've all gone through a lot in the last year, right? So if I can help to brighten your day for a second of it, I, I'm so happy that I did, and I'm even happier that you told me that. So thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, also, I'm glad that you're getting back to work. I really am. Uh, as, as we start to slowly truck back to normal here, and you're in New York City, and so it's starting to come back. So that's great. Very good to hear. Uh, but I, I love your perspective on things because, yeah, every time I talk about it, and I was just talking about the no training camp, Every time I talk about it, it's very easy for anybody to say, well, that's an excuse. That just, that doesn't matter. Oh, don't give me that. Quit blowing sunshine where it don't shine. I don't want to hear it, you know? And um, and it matters. Now, I will honestly tell you that every team in the National Hockey League had to deal with the same thing. And other teams did it better than this team did. Let's be honest about that, too. But this team in particular is such a close-knit team. They thrive on the camaraderie, and they haven't had the camaraderie. 
And I, I just think it would have made a difference. Would it have made a difference to get into the playoffs? I don't know, but I think it would have made a difference. And you're feeling it. As you said, you're, you're, you know what it feels like now you give it more credence now because you're going through it. You know, that's, that's how we are as people, right? You can talk about stuff and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it happens to you and you go, Oh, huh, I see what you're talking about. I get it now. But again, I'm glad you are going back to work and I'm, and I'm glad that it's getting back to normal for you. And, and I hope that you get back together with those people that you're used to being with and uh, start to have those good times again, just like the blue jackets will. And I love the point that you made David about this is how it used to be. This is how it used to be all the time. And if you've come on as a fan in the last four years, you are spoiled. You think it's easy to go to the playoffs every year. You think it's a God-given right. It ain't. I know that's bad English, but I'm going to use it anyway, because it ain't. It's not easy. And this is exhibit A. So um, don't be spoiled. Embrace this part of it. Figure it out. Hope it never happens again, just like the players. But you get to see what happens in this process now. You get to see where they pick, who they pick, if they take all their picks, if they made trades, if anybody else is going to decide to leave, if they're all going to stay. It's a process. You don't just show up and expect to win all the time. Don't get spoiled. I don't – I. And David, this really struck a chord, and this is why I'm glad you brought it up, because because there are times when I look at social media or I get something through social media, and I think, do these people not remember how hard it is to get in the playoffs? No, and the answer is some, no, they don't, because they weren't a fan until there was success. They were a bandwagoner, and I have no problem with bandwagoners. I've told you that before. The bandwagon is big. Get on board. Whenever you're ready to get on board, get on board. But by God, if you're going to jump off now, then that's all you'll ever be is a bandwagoner. Simple as that. You don't have to like what's going on now. Nobody likes it. We hate it. It's all part of the process, as they say in the game. So uh, don't be spoiled, fans. I there's There's not a lot worse than that for me. I mean, it's just, you know... Sometimes expectations are unreasonable. And we all had a lot of expectations going into this year, and I th- they were reasonable at the time. Now you look back on it, and uh, they just just didn't work out that way. And But I still don't think they were unreasonable. But as soon as, look, as soon as the Dubois thing happened, it was all changed. It was all different. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, it was all over, quite honestly. That's... Uh, that's where it was, and that's that's where it is. So anyway, all right. One more question. I saved this one for last because uh, this guy's been a, a good soldier all year long on this show, and I wanted to give him the last question of the regular season. Hey, Bob, it's your man Josh from Grove City, Ohio. I've got a quick question for you and a, a quick thought as well to cap off this final Monday mailbag of the season. Uh, so the question is, there's been some talk recently about finishing and some players that have some incredible speed like Robinson, and I would include Foodie in that list as well of somebody who has got a lot of speed, but it seems like once I get up to the net, they just end up falling over at some point. So when it comes to finishing, I, I'm not a player myself, so I don't know what this would entail, but 
how do you work on finishing? Is that a God-given talent or is that something you can practice? Or I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that or maybe hear what somebody else has to say about that. So that's my question. And as my final thought, I just want to thank you as always for putting out just some incredible content through all the mediums you've done this year. I kind of gave up watching coach interviews and player interviews over the last few weeks, uh, but I have not missed a CBJ in 30 or anything you're doing. So your perspective and your thoughts and opinions during this slump in this rough year has been truly appreciated. So thanks so much, Bob. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you next year. Cheers. Thank you, Josh, very much. I, I really, really appreciate that. I've got you brainwashed, right? Because I'm feeding you my propaganda. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's too bad you quit listening to the coaches' interviews because I think that's some of the greatest stuff. I, I love talking with John Tortorella and, you know, especially now because it's this is a time that it should be toughest to talk to him. And I won't lie to you. There are some days that I go, oh, what am I going to ask him about? And even like on our last conversation that we had before the Carolina game, uh, we got all into goaltending and talking about the goaltending and, um, you know, Elvis, uh, he's a better goaltender when he doesn't have competition, quite honestly. And, you know, Torch was talking to the regular media and trying to poo-poo that and say it wasn't the case. And then, you know, I just, I asked him the same thing. And I said, look, from what I see, he is. I say, I said, tell me why I'm wrong. And then he, you know, he, he said, I wasn't wrong. So, <laughs> you know, we talked about that. We talked about how tough it is to be a backup goaltender and, uh, you get a lot of insight from him. You really do. And, and some of it's hockey and some of it's life. And, you know, for those that don't like him, they don't, they don't care and they're not going to listen to it or take anything out of it. But uh, you know, I, I think they've been really good conversations here, especially as of late. And um, so it's too bad that you quit listening to those, Josh, you still have time to go back or you still have two left that I'm going to do with John Tortorella. So maybe you can, uh, maybe you can tune into those. That would be all right. But anyway, um, the skill thing, finish. Can they practice that? Of course they can practice that. Uh, Eric Robinson is a guy that uh, comes to mind all year. He's had so many opportunities. Yeah, he's gotten some goals and he's had some big goals, but he's missed a lot of goals too. Uh, shooting the puck, not getting it on net, uh, missing the net, fanning on a shot, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah, you can practice that. You just go out and do more shooting, skate and shoot, you know, extra time not during the practice uh, time prior to the practice to uh, to work on it. And then, you know, during the practice, you want guys that are really kind of, you know, giving it to you. They're trying to play in a game type situation because you can go out there and stand by yourself and pick corners with no goalie and, you know, come down the ice with nobody else on the ice and shoot and hit your spot. And then all of a sudden there's a goalie in there and you're coming down the ice and there's a guy bearing down on you and you can, feel his stick hitting you in the skates as you're, you know, you're the stride ahead of him and you're looking to set up your shot and you know, he's there and you don't know exactly how close he is. And, and um, you know, a lot of concentration goes on there. So yeah, it can be practiced. There's, there's no doubt. And Kenny McCutton is a skills coach here. And uh, you know, you want to work with Kenny, you want to, you want to talk to Kenny and uh, work with him and work on your shot and, and your placement and, and all those things. So yes, it. um, it is, uh, it is skill. It is a God-given skill. To some, it's, it, some don't have to do that extra work. Others have to do the extra work is the answer to the question, Josh. So, yes, it can be learnt. <laughs> learnt. How do you spell that? L-E-R-N-T. You can work on it. You can't get better at it. So, 
I can't do any better on a regular season show because uh, this is it. Last one of the regular season, taking your questions. Uh, again, the reason is next week, next week, it will be officially an off-season edition. So we can, you know, what will we know then that we don't know now? I don't know because I won't know till then. But when I do, we'll sit back down here and we'll talk about it. You and I together. Blue Jackets are back at it tonight, 7 o'clock, Nationwide Arena. Nashville Predators are in town. Final two games of the season series with the Preds. I would like to see them get handed a couple of losses. They beat the Blue Jackets early on. It uh, helped to set the Blue Jackets back in the early part of the season, and it would be nice to uh, return the favor late in the season to Nashville. We'll see what happens with that. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 tonight both on the Blue Jackets Radio Network and on Bally Sports Ohio. So I hope you join me for the final four games of the season tonight, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And then we'll move into another phase that none of us likes, but we all have to deal with. So embrace these four games. See if the Blue Jackets can get some wins. And if they don't, see if they can better their draft position. Quite honestly, that's where we are right now, right? Thanks for all your questions today and all during the regular season in the Monday mailbag. I really, really appreciate it. You put thought into them. You um, you make me think the whole nine yards. So they are very, very much appreciated when, appreciated when I sit down and uh, get ready to go through this show week after week. So thank you very much for that. But that will wrap up the final Monday mailbag edition of the 2021 regular season of Blue Jackets Hockey. And this has been CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.